Hello. Welcome. This is Pastor Deborah. And this is Mental Health and the Forever Person webcam. This is a new series for Pastor Deborah. And it will also become a podcast on the Mental Health Radio News Network. But I'm just going to have a little introduction for you that you will see. And then I'll get into the teaching. Mental health, as you can see, and the forever person. These two are connected. And this is going to be a series of webcams podcast entitled One Plus One Plus One Equals One. It's a new math and it's a strange math. But I'm going to talk about this for several series episodes so that you will be able to see at a little deeper level who you are, who others are, what mental health is to this system of three that are one, and what the forever person is to the system of mental health and this strange new man. So enjoy. Hello again, Pastor Deborah. Wagapi Love, Love is Here Ministries. And this is episode seven of the introduction of mental health and the forever person. Our new math we're learning. One plus one plus one equals one. This is the conclusion, sort of a wrap-up, a review of what we've already had in six episodes, where we took uh, a couple and we introduced you to the physical body and how important that was and how we have wonderful, wonderful people called psychiatrists who study that body and they are looking at that in regards to mental health, which is very important. Then we studied for a couple of episodes the part two of us. And that part two was our soul. And Freud defined it as the conscious awareness that we have, as well as our subconscious, the one that's deeply down, hidden, that we do see a lot of, out through the consciousness. And we had a couple of episodes just talking briefly about that guy. And then we had a couple of episodes talking about the forever person. And this forever person uh, was the third part. And he had a couple episodes. So now what I want to do is in this episode, episode seven of mental health and the forever person is to sort of review what we've studied, what we've learned. What, Wilbur? You want me to stop? Wait, okay. A lot of people coming in. Uh, they didn't know. They're, they're getting used to that after I go to the flea market. I come home and I record. And so, because the world is all on different times, uh, they probably forgot. I didn't put it out anyway. So they're coming in as we're doing. They haven't missed anything. Everybody here? Okay. What we learned is that mental health is in animals, 
It is in nature and it's in every human. And there is an optimal mental health where everything is in balance. And our lovely psychiatrists are looking at those areas to see if they are in balance. If all the chemicals, electricals, there's no head injuries, there's no brain tumors, there's no genetic problems, uh, your sugar levels are all correct, they're looking there. And they study that. And then we have the mental health counselors, the social workers, the lovely life coaches, the mentors, the caseworkers. We have them right here. And they're working with that soul part. We're all here. We all see it. It shows up everywhere all the time. And it's not nice most of the time. There's a lot of energy. It's very angry. We see that when we see people fighting at Walt Disney World, punching their own sisters out. It has no control over itself. It's very, very, very mad and angry. And it can put on a good front, get in front of cameras and lie to you. No, it's lying to you. And behind the scenes with the forever person, they're really doing something else. We know that these people get into positions. It's all humans. It's in everybody. And the parents and the adults and society and culture and games and videos and books and movies all train it. Because all that information comes in through the five senses. The sense of sight. The sense of hearing through the sense of your nose, through the tongue, and through your body. This guy is trained and tutored and taught. He's actually a slave to his senses. I think I talked in one of the videos. He's like a guy in a submarine. And he does the only way he knows what's going on is he has to have his senses come down. And they're training him. Whatever the circumstances, the culture, the religion, uh, the family values, what he watches on TV, what he watches, the games he plays, the books he reads, his teachers in school, uh, whatever the neighborhood gang is about. This guy right here is shaped, molded, conformed into all of that that comes into him. And usually it's not very nice. And even if it is nice, his basic nature is not one that is nice. He can't help himself with pride. He cannot help himself. You get a good, wonderful person and they get the lust of the eyes. They'll see something and they'll want it. Piece of candy. Uh, lust of the flesh. They want the flesh to feel better. They'll get the lust of the uh, tongue. They want to taste something. And the body is a part of the soul. And they're working together. <laughs> it's horrible. And even though sometimes it seems to be very sweet, that hidden man right there can have a good front, but deep behind the scenes to himself, he hates your guts. He's laughing at you, mocking at you, ain't going to do what you, what you ask it to do. Doesn't like law, doesn't like authority, doesn't like anything. It wants to be free to do whatever it wants to do, however it wants to do it, and nobody and nothing telling it how to stop. And then when it gets in trouble, it blames everybody but itself. It's very selfish, very jealous, very angry, bitter, full of revenge and hate. 
But he can put on a good front. We all see it. He can smile away. Lie to you right through the teeth. That's that guy. Then we discover when people die. Or they have something called near-death experiences. Or they have some kind of psychedelic trips on drugs. Or some people are taken. They leave their physical body or they leave somehow. There's another part of us that we have not been taught about. Most of your faiths and your religions are trying to reach out. But because religion as it is, it only is reaching the soul. It's telling the soul, come to church on Sundays. Pray so many times a day. Get up when we call you. Pray. Don't eat this. Don't eat that. Wear this. Wear that. You can't do this. You can't do that. Lots of rules. Regulations in every faith and every religion. And religion is here. It has nothing to do with the forever person. And it actually keeps people, the forever person, away from what the forever person is trying to reach. Something called divine, divinity. Sometimes they're trying to reach something called paradise, nirvana. Get reincarnated into a better something. But religion works with the soul. So we learn that this guy is not very nice. We all have him. Now, in my case, mine had to die. And there's a great story I have on the website called It's Time. And you have to go through transformation. And first you have to realize, I want to tell you a story how I got started. I was When I was real little as a kid, my parents, we did Christmas. They told me there was a real Santa Claus. Then I heard there was a real tooth fairy that would take my teeth when they came out. Then I heard there was something called an Easter Bunny. Okay. As a little small child, I wanted to believe in that make-believe imaginable world. So I believed my parents. But my parents, that part, that soul, was lying to me. How did I find that out? Now, I'm a grown adult when this happened. And I had perpetuated this lie from the soul to my son. Planted Easter baskets, said the Easter bunny got. Okay. Told him there was a Santa Claus. And we put out milk and cookies for him. And Santa Claus brought the gifts. Told him there was real flying reindeer. Came down through the chimney. Even if you didn't have a chimney, he came through the chimney. And I told him that when he lost his teeth, he was a child, you put it under your pillow, a tooth fairy comes and leaves money. I was perpetuating the same thing that was taught to me until I read a book. And I learned that was called vain, hollow, worthless imaginations, vanities. It was traditions of men. I had to ask my son. My son was 10 years old. I was forced by my God that I serve now, my king, to get on my knees in front of my 10-year-old son and ask his forgiveness. Because I had lied to him as a child. I perpetuated 
false traditions, lies, vain imagination. Santa Claus is real. Real Rudolph, real Easter Bunny leaving the baskets. Real Tooth Fairy. But I was Santa Claus. I was the Tooth Fairy. I was the Easter Bunny that left the Easter baskets. And I purposely lied to my son. When I did it, I thought it was cute. Did I know that there was not really a real Santa Claus and flying reindeers that came down the chimneys? Yes. Did I know that they really came, that Santa came and ate the cookies and drank them out? Yes, I knew that wasn't real. Did I know the Easter Bunny was me? Did I know that the Tooth Fairy was the one, me, that went and took the tooth and left money? Yes, I knew that at one level in my song. But until I got the realization I was a liar I was perpetuating something that had been taught to me that also is taught in business worlds, in markets, in the Walmarts, out there. Society was telling us with the movies that these things were real. And I was forced to take my soul, get it on its knees in front of my 10-year-old child and ask his forgiveness for lying to him about this. Now you think that is, that ain't pretty. I had to humble my soul before my own child at 10 years old and ask his forgiveness for lying and being a liar, perpetuating lies to him. That's how serious I had to be to kill this guy. First, I had to learn that what I was saying, what I was believing in, what I was telling my children were lies. Society, the business all supported it. Religion supported it. The churches supported it. Movies, cartoons all supported it. But I had become desensitized to the lie. Right here in the soul. So once I started getting the revelations, that part got weaker, weaker, weaker. And slowly, eventually, you read the story. It died, because I'll tell you another story. This guy, I was asked a question. A lot of you may have already had this happen. I don't know. Because I love Satanists and witches and the cult people and heavy-duty ink stuff. I had studied a guy named Abraham. My Muslim brothers, they all know this story. Abraham was asked one day, take your son, your only son you got, take him up on some high mountain, sacrifice him to me. Have you ever been asked that? He didn't tell his wife, Sarah, takes his son, he's about 10 years old. I had just studied this and read this story. Because I love the Old Testament. I stay in it. And in the story Abraham told the guys that were helping with the donkeys, you guys stay down here. My son and I, we're going to go up on the mountaintop. And we're going to worship this God of Abraham. So the father and the son go up. The son's carrying the wood on his back. They get up at the top. They make an altar of stone. They put the wood and the little boy says, Father, where is the lamb, the little sheep, 
that we normally do. Something that we love very tenderly, something very innocent. Where is it? Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb. Then Abraham had to pick up his son, bind his hands and feet, lay him on the altar, raise his hand above his head, and started bringing it down to kill and slay his only son that he loved. In obedience to a question. And he starts bringing this knife down. And about halfway down an angel speaks to him and says, Stop! Stop! Abraham, don't you hurt that child. Now I know that you love me. That you will sacrifice your only son. The promised son. That's to take over the kingdom. To carry on your name. Be a blessing to them. You will kill it yourself. In obedience to me. Now I know you love me more than anything. And he stopped. And off to the side there was a ram. Where would he come from? He was stuck in a bush. And he went and killed that. I was asked that same question one day in my house, right down the hall. How much do I love a Satanist that kills babies, eats hearts, is full of demonic spirits, hates God, hates everything? How much would I give to save a Taliban, Boko Rahan, an ISIS killer? a pedophile, somebody that hurts children. What would I give? Could I allow my son to be killed in a satanic meeting, skinned alive in front of me, hoping that just one Satanist in that crowd would see the love and, get, and love the same God I love? And I said, yes. They're more important than my earthly son's life. I knew my son would go on to paradise, heaven, whatever you want to call it. But that one person sitting out there watching this happen, he was on his way to someplace else that nobody wants to go to. And he was more important to me than my earthly son's life. Past test one. Test two. Second nanosecond later. He asked me, would you put yourself on a cross and allow yourself to be sacrificed alive for just one out there? How much do you love them? And how much do you love me? The big guy, the creator of everything that loves humanity so much. He asked me how much was humanity worth. The worst of the worst. Would I die myself for them? Would I give up my earthly life as a sacrifice? So somebody else could live. I was asked these questions early in my life. What was my answer? Yes. 
They are more important than my earthly life, my son's life. My soul had to die to everything that everybody else loved. I, I couldn't love my family. When I did that, I killed my son. The emotional change was immediate. Husband, job, what everybody else thinks is fun, all died to me. This guy died on a cross that night. Willingly. So other people could find the love I had found. And they could know that they were loved and valued and wanted. That soul died. Gave it all up. My life has never been the same. I don't have normal relationships and friends. I only serve the kingdom that I'm from. Now in the story time you will hear the conclusion to that story. And I'll tell it to you now. Years later. I'm up in Pittsburgh with my son who had moved up there. And I hear this. It's time. I knew what that meant. I went to my bed. I laid down. Prayed some prayers. I knew I was going to die. Because I had already died back here. I knew, okay, my son was gone to church. Something would happen. My son would come home. And I would have died of natural causes. I'd be laying in the bed dead. Because death was coming. I said I would do it. Death asked. Said it's time. So I get in my bed. I just thank the, I thank the Lord. You know, whatever you want to call it. For the life I had. I made a vow that I would do this. I laid in bed. And my spirit was immediately taken out of my body. And I was put inside of another physical body in a satanic meeting. And Satan himself was there in some form. And the knife was up. I knew they would stick this knife into the physical body that was there. And it would pierce me. And I would die in my bed in Pittsburgh. My son would come back and just find me dead. No apparent cause, no reason. But I was ready to go. So I'm inside spiritually, my forever man. Is inside the physical body of somebody else, a female, somewhere on planet Earth. The knife is coming down. I was peaceful. I knew what I had vowed that I would do. And as the tip of the knife hit the stomach of that physical body. The knife started dissolving. And a booming voice in the meeting said, You cannot kill her. She already died on a cross years ago. That is not Jan anymore. That is Deborah. And Deborah was a mighty judge and a king and a prophetess. Jan died when I made that vow to God. So here's Satan trying to kill me. And the big guy upstairs says, you can't. This one that's in this body, 
is Deborah. And it is a resurrected, glorified spirit. Because this one right here already died. Now those are some of my personal experiences. The value that this guy has to die to everything, to the culture, to religion, to ancient traditions. Be willing to sacrifice your own self so somebody else can find what you found. That's the price I paid. I still pay it. That's the soul. The forever person. Now what? Who is that guy? That's Deborah. Deborah, I had to study. You'll read in the book, uh, in the story called "It's Time." You will look at how I had to study my name. Deborah's a judge. She's a king. She's a warrior. She's a. That was my biological name. That my parents, mother was called Sarah, which means princess. Father was named Joseph, which means save your. Study him in Egypt. I was Deborah. Now, how did I get the name Jan? When my parents moved from Illinois down to Montgomery, Alabama, because my dad was going to be an instructor in the Allied Officer School, so I can talk to kings and military all around the world, because I grew up with that. I got into the fifth grade class, and there was a whole bunch of Debbies, or Debs. I'd never been called Deborah, Debbie, Deb. So I said, my name is Jan, to distinguish. So all the ick that happened from the fifth grade, and even birth, my birth, what happened to Deb, or Debbie, or Jan? Not to Deborah. When I said that, Jan died. And all her wounds and hurt and ick and everything. And Deborah, the forever person. Birth from a mother named Sarah, that means princess. And a father, that means Joseph, which means savior. And Deborah's a powerful warrior. She can kick some butt, let me tell you. She made the fool of the men in the Bible. Because they didn't have enough courage to go to war. She said, we go to war and I go with you. I'll get the glory. Because you're too afraid to go by yourself. Deborah's tough. She don't back down from nothing. I've been poisoned. I have been shot at. I have been almost stabbed with scissors in my own home from these people. I've had false legal allegations brought against me. And I come out unscathed every single time. Why? Because Deborah was going to come on up. The forever person. It took me two years to learn to be Deborah. And you'll read that still on its time. It's a hard transition. I had to look at the home where uh, one of the story goes is I'm driving past where Jan grew up, Montgomery. And uh, I hear this voice. Why don't you pull off and go see the house you grew up in? Test time. I said to myself, one, you're not up this turning off the interstate. It's not on the list. I'm trying to get to Pittsburgh. And if I go there, then Jan, who died on that cross, will come back alive out of the grave. 
I even drew my own tombstone, buried Jan. And I knew if I went there on my own free will, I would bring Jan out of the grave and she'd be right back alive here with all her hurts and wounds and vulnerabilities. So I went on. Then I had to look at my son. I had to say, son, uh, you may have come out of this body, but you're not my child. Jan, who birthed you, died. I'm Deborah. I had to meet my son all over again. But would you like to be my spiritual child? He said, yes. Came back, looked at Jan's husband that she had been married to. And I looked at him. I go, I didn't marry you. Jan married you. I've had no sex. Deborah's had no sex. Never been married. Been a warrior and a soldier her entire life. She's a great prophetess. She moves in the gifts of the Spirit whenever they're needed. Had to look at Jan's husband and go, Never. I live with you, but we ain't got nothing. There is no marriage there. Because Deborah is a new person. Jan, with all her hurts and wounds, took two years sitting at home to deal with that ick before the transition happened. Died. Then Satan tried to kill her. And God said, you can't. She already did. Deborah's alive. You can't touch Deborah. She's in a glorified state now. That's some of my stories. I am Deborah. I just studied that name. You'll read about it if you go. I ain't finished all of it. I'm about three-fourths of the way through. Powerful stuff. So, the soul in each one of us, that icky old thing, has to die. Be cut off from our religion, our culture, our values. And take on the forever person has to come alive. And be reconnected to its original kingdom and source that it lost we're all trying to find it Germany tried to look for Atlantis how many of you have been looking for Atlantis why because there's something back there in us that says we were some type of master race beings with some supernatural stuff but somehow it got lost yes it did and until that soul dies to everything that is important to it. And your spirit is birthed anew. And then it learns and it grows. You are a big mess for this world. And you will teach that mess to your kids and to your kids and to your kids. And then you want to know why there is so much ick in the world, abuse, control, corruption, can't even trust people with money because you're dealing with that guy right there. Or you're dealing with baby little forever people. And this guy is so powerful and dominant, he's the boss. Now this guy right here, He's usually overpowered by things that live in that kingdom. And they're trying to run the world. So, enjoy this conclusion to mental health and the forever person.
that gives you a little bit of the stories about me some of the things I have been through and as we go through the other episodes you'll hear about other stories that are on the website people I've dealt with there's some wonderful stories uh, about people and the forever person and the physical body wait till you have to back down knives out of doors tell airplanes to turn around and take off travel without an airplane go stop somebody from killing a little child that's the forever person there's a whole realm out there a lot of it is very beautiful most of it we know here on planet earth is not nice now what happens in religion with this guy everybody's religion is so fragmented into denominations and sects and who's supposed to rule and who's right it's everywhere because it's right there don't matter which one you are then throw in some ancestor stuff so this episode 7 I wanted to give you a sort of a review of what we've done a few more stories so you'll come back and keep learning I'm not quite sure yet what the next series is going to be, haven't decided. But I am going to put after this one my uh, NASCA, National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuses, uh, article I wrote called Equal Partners. And I'm going to have that up there so you can get a little bit more history. I think it would be helpful to go into some terms of how the mental health world works uh, the World Health Organization terms what's the DSM how do they define us why are insurance companies there uh, how do they why do they ask us questions what are all the tests uh, about and a little bit more about the mental health world uh, so that when you are talking to a psychiatrist you'll understand some of their training and we can do some work with the mental health counselors which I happen to be one and why they ask you a lot of sometimes silly questions and then we can talk about the forever person and hopefully we can get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into this stuff so that when you're out there trying to help other people or you're trying to get some help for yourself you'll believe me educated about some terms and you can ask some really good questions about people that are helping you and you won't be so ignorant and uh, you you can ask a lot of just wonderful I was with a lady today in the TNW flea market she had some physical problems so we start there a lot of people get physical problems and then she had some deeper questions about spiritual I always have my board up of the three gingerbread men spirit soul and body and we got talking about voices and she always uh, her mama and ancestors and but yet she went to a medium because she wanted some connection to find out some answers and but she doesn't have the connection you know just all kinds of wonderful things are going on so we're all trying to get help with our lives we don't understand stress we don't understand what that does to the body we don't understand how sickness and disease where it comes from, how it's affected, how do we deal with it, don't have a clue. 
in conclusion of this episode of one plus one plus one equals one. The mental health and the forever person. I want to tell you a quick story that happened yesterday, or today rather, at the T&W flea market. A young woman dropped by. She saw my board up with my three gingerbread people. And she came in and had some questions. Well, the conversation started off with physical problems with her eyes and how she had gone to many doctors to try to find out what's wrong. She had all the tests and couldn't find anything. Then she proceeded to tell me some of her story, that she had taken care of her mom for about 15 years who was sick. She had passed away. But she still felt that mom was right there with her, watching over her and comforting her. So she felt okay. But then she had questions uh, about some future events that she, or future things she wanted to know. So she went to a medium, uh, a man, here in Pensacola, I understand. I don't know what his name is. But he had had, several years ago, had a near-death experience. And when he came out of it, he was what you would call psychic. And so she went to him to get some answers regarding some questions she had in life. So, so far, this lady had gone to physical doctors. Something's wrong with her. Something in her eyes you can't see. She goes to a medium, psychic, supernatural, spiritual stuff. And then we got talking. She asked me questions, what did I think it was? And I proceeded to talk to her about eyes and perception and seeing and how the physical body is involved, the soul is involved, how mental health is involved, and how the forever person is involved. And we ended up talking about how that the voice or what she thought was her mother who she loved dearly, was always with her. And I had to explain to her that Mama wasn't here. She was fine. She was doing all right. But the voice or the comforting she was kept was taking her off on a road over here, but not on the road that this man who had some connection to a higher power was. And she didn't have that connection. Her forever person did not have it. So she's having to go to somebody else. So in helping people who have mental health or physical problems and the forever person, if you're going to help people, you have to be knowledgeable about mental health, physical problems, and how they're interconnected with the forever person. You have to be able to talk to them without making yourself sound foolish or uh, weird or what they have experienced to be weird or foolish or silly. Most people want to know. They have questions. They're seeking answers. They're having physical problems. They're having mental health problems. Their biological body, their one, is in distress. Their soul is having issues. And their forever person is involved. So this was a case where I had to be able to talk to her in all three areas, the physical part, the soul, and the forever person. So that when she would leave, she felt like she had been ministered to. She had some answers. 
she realized some of the things she had been doing. Her eyes were open. She now realized she had not been looking at some things and didn't want to see certain things. So she was sort of spiritually blind. And it was manifesting in her physical body. So that is just a short little example of how mental health and the forever person can work. When you have skills in both areas, you're well-trained, educated, you can help people. And this is the ending of these episodes, the introduction to mental health and the forever person. One plus one plus one equals one. Uh, after this, you will have a NASCA episode up about equal partners in spiritual care and how a pastor needs to be able to sit at the table with law enforcement, psychiatrists, everybody. And we all need to be working together. So I want to say thank you for staying with us and listening to the, this is the seventh episode of the introduction to mental health and the forever person. I hope you've enjoyed it and hope you come back and you follow some other episodes. And uh, hopefully I'll get some up maybe in a few days. Not quite sure. Next week I have to go to a three-day intensive training with law enforcement about human trafficking, modern slavery, investigative interviews, techniques, Amber Alerts. Uh, learn a lot more in depth because I am a professional and a global expert on it. So I come in from the mental health and the forever person side. Plus I can also go in the courtroom. And I can work with the law enforcement because I do have training in crisis intervention team training work. So I'm quite qualified to do that. But this is the end of the introduction series. Mental health and the forever person. The new math. One, the physical body. Plus the soul. Plus the forever person. Equals one. They're all in one human being. They're all a system. They're working together. We need to separate them out. So come again and enjoy. I'll leave the board up for you a few minutes so you can take some notes. Love you and I hope you come back and listen to some more episodes of Mental Health and the Forever Person. Love from Pastor Deb.